It is another edition of the greatest show sweeping the ESPN College Football YouTube channel by storm. It is the Matt Berry Show. As always, joined by Paul Feinbaum. If you haven't figured it out by now, we have a fun rotation. We do Dan Mullen one week. We do Paul Feinbaum the next week. And I'm particularly excited about this show. I know the AP poll came out yesterday. I don't want to get into the AP poll because I don't think you can glean too much from it other than the usual suspects are the top 10 of the country. And typically someone always comes from the bottom up to surprise everyone. But today what I want to get into is a big picture discussion, Paul, predicated on the Johnny Manziel documentary. And I watched the documentary over the weekend, and I'm not going to sit here and give you a film review of what I thought and how it was put together. The impetus of this conversation, Paul, stems from what we're seeing right now in college football, which is endless realignment. And when you go back to the 2011-2012 football season, Texas A&M entered the SEC. And they did so with Johnny Manziel. And they did so in fantastic fashion going 11-2 and that season. And I believe the next season they were 9-4. and But since then, Texas A&M has been 8-4, and 8-4, 8-5 and and with the bowl game. And all of this is to say, if you're Texas, Oklahoma, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, you could have these best laid plans to go to a new league. But to me, Texas A&M is a prime example that even though you might have immediate success that surprised everyone, financially, you can't argue the benefit. But football-wise, Paul, long-term, how good has this move been for Texas A&M over the last decade? Well, I, I think it's been good. Uh, I agree with you. The record does not support that. But I think in many ways they're a more relevant school. And and it, it, this is going to sound really backwards, Mac. But the, one, the, the greatest accomplishment that Texas A&M has achieved is that they, in essence, forced Texas to follow them into the SEC. And uh, that's as convoluted as anything you could, you've ever heard. But that's really why Texas decided to make that move, because they saw how much money A&M was making. They saw it, it, recruiting-wise they were doing so much better. Nobody really uses uh, straight logic in college sports anymore. Um, you gamble. It's a little bit like uh, the futures table. And while, the support, while you can't argue, they even hey, look at Missouri. They also uh, came in at the same time. They made the championship game two years in a row and have not been – heard from since, but it's about being relevant. And Texas A&M is a very relevant school. Now, yeah, if you looked at all, I can't even remember all the schools that have moved in the last week or two. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, which one of those is best suited for success? Obviously, it's Southern Cal. Um, but, you know, you may you may not see any great success stories there. You may Oregon may be asking the question, what have we done? Uh, same for Arizona or Arizona State or Colorado or Utah. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't go. And I, I think sometimes you just have to make that move, whether uh, logically 10 years later, you're going to be the subject of a Matt Perry podcast. Yeah, look, and 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 that's exactly what everyone thinks when they weigh into those, those those decisions in the Board of Regents rooms. Are like, are we going to end up on the Matt Barry show on the YouTube channel? But <laughs> look, you can't, Paul. It's 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 you cannot dispute financially. Well, one, what Johnny did for Texas A and M, but two, sure. what the move to the SEC did for Texas A and M. But with that, 
comes an inherent amount of expectation and pressure that at the time, I want to go back to those years because at the time, Paul, there wasn't a hotter coach on the college football planet than Kevin Sumlin. He was coming off Johnny Manziel. He gets Kenny Hill, who was a highly rated quarterback coming out of South Lake Carroll. He gets Chad Christensen uh, from Desert Mountain in Arizona, who was the number one ranked quarterback. And not Chad Christensen. Uh, God, it's gonna the, the name escapes me. Wait, Kyle Allen. Uh, Kyle Allen. Have, that's uh, my fault. Yeah, Kyler Murray. Yeah. Kyle. Right. Kyle Allen, number one ranked player in his recruiting class. Kyler Murray, number one ranked right. player in his recruiting class. Right. So this guy could do no wrong. Yet from that moment forward, from John Football for the next few years, he couldn't match the magic of that eleven win season. Well, and because what what I think Kevin Summer did, and we don't need to do a an autopsy of that program for too long, but he just he let players get away with too much. The discipline was gone. He should have been fired two years earlier. And they were really kind of caught. Uh, Johnny was a curse in many ways. He made them yeah. the most relevant program in the country. I'll, I'll never forget, Matt, uh, being out there uh, for the, ne- the the 13 game with game day. Uh, I mean, that was the biggest game of the year. We started talking about that game six, seven months out. And, and because of what had happened in Tuscaloosa the previous November, this game was in September, I believe. And once they lost that game, they never quite recovered, and nor did they ever recover. And uh, what, what's happened since then, is it's been very emblematic of Texas A&M history. It seems like there's a curse there somewhere. Um, but I, I think in spite of all the, the pain and torment, Aggies still walk with, with, a, with, a, with a swagger today, knowing that their cousins in Austin haven't done any better. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because now I, I, I'm I'm taking this and you look at this one instance because I, I, I believe that the initial bang AM put on the league, you're like, oh my, this add them to the right. SEC. And you need to understand, let's just say Texas. I think Texas is the great example here because, as you said, it's one of the more bitter rivalries in all of college football, Texas and Texas A&M. And they split apart for the time that A&M went to the SEC. And now here they come to the league, which A&M's probably not thrilled with. Not probably. We know they're not thrilled with it. No. But if there's any team that could come in immediately in the realignment season and do what A&M did, it's Texas. The problem is what we've learned out of AM is it has to be sustainable. And that's going to be the challenge for these teams that are going to different leagues for the first time. Initially, it's all cakes, pies, and honeymoons. But eventually you got to settle into what the conference is and what your program's going to be. Well, you you can't uh you, you really can't fault Texas for the move because frankly, they, they no. were making uh, they were they were really uh in trouble in the Big 12. And I think some of it was they had uh, the program had just become stale. Interestingly, the, the the program that some are worried about uh, is Oklahoma. And, you know, they had such a great time in the Big 12. And, you know, this is a big year for Brent Venables for a lot of reasons, but most mostly for momentum. You don't want to come into the SEC limping. And, you know, your, your, your bi- biweekly guest, Dan Mullen, can answer the difficulties of the SEC better than I can but in some ways because he lived it. Uh, but the SEC is about sustainability. Uh, a good year or two doesn't really matter uh, if you can't sustain it. What about success on the field? Because financially, 
we're not going to sit here and pretend that these aren't no-brainers. You get Big Ten money if you're USC and UCLA and Oregon and Washington and even the four corner schools that defected to the Big 12. We get it. Financially, this, fine. But are these presidents and these athletic directors and these schools, are they putting the financial gain ahead of, wait a second, is this the best move for the football program for what we're trying to do, which ultimately, Paul, is win games and, and win conference championships and get to the college football playoff? Uh, they are because many of these presidents, Matt, don't really understand college athletics. Uh, and they're they're now in charge. They're, they have the power. Uh, they couldn't explain. Uh, you know, I, I bet if you grab – I'm not saying every one of these presidents, but you, you grabbed a few – uh, power five presidents at random, they, they probably couldn't tell you the makeup of the CFP, how it worked, uh, what the operation was. They, they just know, okay, somebody's offering us a lot of money. There's a lot of media. They're very influenced by whatever is being said. And I mean, even here, uh, I mean, I know some of these uh, men and women as you do, and uh, they're, they're politicians. Uh, they're supposed to be academicians, but, but in essence, they're politicians. Yeah, and, and it, was, it was funny because Paul, I'm sitting there watching this, and the second I get done watching it, I go right to the the Google machine and I'm like, what has Texas A&M's record been since that breakout mm-hmm. time? And it's just been, they've been hovering around eight, nine wins. And for a lot of teams, for a lot of programs, that's good enough. But we, they, they you know not why? Them. Not them. Because they paid over $100 million, whatever the, the, the contract was. I'm so overdone by money when sports to bring in Jimbo Fisher to write the eight wins and the nine wins. And now the decision that was done a decade ago rests on him to get them out of that eight, nine win last year, just five to get them out of that, like to be blunt mediocrity in this league. And, and, and what happens is you, if you had told me three years ago uh, that Jimbo Fisher's record would be this and he would still be there, it would have been surprising, but you keep moving the goalposts to use the old cliche. And and right now A&M is caught. They still believe they have the right coach. Uh, I mean, I, I have spent a lot of time around A&M people. I mean, they're, they're not convinced. I mean, they're not, you know, they're, they're not going to go to their grave over it, but they, they still feel pretty comfortable. And that's why Jimbo Fisher is still in good stead. Uh, and even this season, I mean, short of a complete implosion, uh, he'll be there next year. Uh, so, but, but if you, and, and if you go back and look at all these moves over the years, I mean, how many, how many of these moves were really good? Is Maryland better off? Is Rutgers better off? Uh, I mean, it is a, it is an endless stream of, of chasing the money, and uh, you know, it, it's where college athletics is. And you know, we can be hypocrite. We can talk about the hypocritical aspect of it, and and it's there. But the only time that that it becomes as disturbing is is when you hear these college presidents, you know, with a bow tie and the stern face, talk about the only thing that matters is the wealth is the is the well-being of the student athlete and that's when you know uh you're being conned but that's just it and that sentence you you said is is why i want to not caution college football fans but really have everyone take a holistic look at this because while the logo of your conference has changed i don't know that you are i and i usc ucla washington oregon Arizona, they're not better off for the Pac-12 going away. They're just not. Because no. USC could run that league every year if they wanted to and get in the college football playoff. They're not better off having to go through Ohio State, Michigan, 
Some years, Penn State, Wisconsin with Luke Fickle is going to be difficult. I firmly believe Matt Rule is going to have Nebraska as Nebraska again. You're not, you're not better off. If you're if you're Florida State, I get it. It should Wake Forest be making the same amount of money of you as you as revenue distribution when you're a college football food group? Probably not. But are you going to be better off getting thrown into a league, maybe like the SEC? We've just detailed what it did to Texas A&M. And that term better off, like when are we going to stop looking at just the, the dollars and say, well, you know, the football matters too, or the sports matter too? Well, uh, I think you're right. Uh, the one thing that I think none of these people took into consideration is the 12 team playoff was was cater was going to cater to the Pac-12. I was part uh, in talking to Greg Sankey the other day. He said that was part of the reason uh, we we did it the way we did it, uh, and the Pac-12 was the biggest beneficiary, and now that's gone. And uh, Matt, I mean, the, the only the thing about college athletics, uh, who knows where where it will be in 10 years. And I think everybody just does not want to get left behind. And, and look at the schools that have been left behind. And, uh, you know, they're really outstanding. You know, some of them are really outstanding schools of, uh, of academic integrity and they have nowhere to play right now. Yeah. And it, it just, I, I said this last week, I, enjoy this season for what it is because it's the last <laughs> time we're going to see the big 12, the PAC 12, the big 10, all of these conferences in their current iteration. And the other thing, Paul, the Johnny Doc did, because I sat there and I was like, you know what? How important is a great quarterback? How important is a quarterback to the success of your school? We've seen it, Joe Burrow, LSU, Stetson Bennett out of Georgia. We've seen this year in and year out. Some of these players, they come in, it's a quarterback, it's lightning in a bottle. They ride that quarterback to what they need to ride it to, and they ride off into the sunset. Caleb Williams at USC winning the Heisman. They were close to a college football playoff berth. They didn't get it. Uh, C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. It all comes down to your quarterback success. You know the one guy that's defied that logic? Nick Saban. Because he was winning with Jake Coker. He was winning with our boy Greg McElroy, not to take anything from McElroy, but that Mark Ingram at the time, hand the ball off, throw it a play-action pass. He's the only guy, and I know Tua won the one to Devontae Smith. He came off the bench. He didn't win one as a starter. But I guess the point being, Paul, that he's the one guy in this era of star quarterbacks that really hasn't needed one to succeed better than anyone in the sport. No, and that, that's why Alabama fans right now are pushing back so hard. Uh, when you when you call the usual suspects and say, "Hey, what did the scrimmage look like Saturday?" and they all go, <laughs> "You know, we don't have a quarterback." And and then you you say that to one of these uh, you know Bama bubbas from uh, you know whatever county, and he goes, "Well, who cares?" Uh, and, and, and they're, they're going to probably win that argument. Uh, and you, you know, I'm sure somebody in, uh, in Waycross, Georgia could say, Hey, we won two with Stetson Bennett. Uh, while Stetson Bennett looked like uh, a first round draft choice at the end of his career. And of course he wasn't, uh, you know, he was probably the least, uh, least predicted, uh, quarterback to ever win back to back. So it is a little odd, but, but that's just the way it goes. And, and I, I think because it's Nick Saban, there's always going to be uh, more obsessing than, than normal. It's also because of the, the last four quarterbacks uh, that, you know, I, you should, you tell me there have not been many uh, better starting quarterbacks in a row than, than Hertz, Tua, Mag Jones and Bryce Young. 
Yeah, and Bryce Young, look, he 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 leaves Alabama with just about every accolade you could want. Mac Jones, I think he was the surprise that snuck in there and became as dominant as he did. But when you look at programs big picture and the health of where these teams are headed going into the season and the health of the, the program top to bottom, to me, Saban's been the blueprint forever. And when you really dive in and look, you're like, well, wait a second. I mean, there was all these Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. I know Bryce Young was one of them, but he was just as dominant without it. You can't say that for many of these teams that have gone through the college football playoff era, Deshaun Watson, Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson. These were generational type players that led to Clemson's success. They needed that. And I don't think Alabama really does. No, and and listen, without having any clear path to who the quarterback is, Alabama in the past two weeks, Matt, whatever it's worth, has been ranked third and fourth preseason. And the and the best known commentator at, at ESPN, college football commentator, Kirk Herstreet, picked them to win the national championship. So, um, <laughs> now again, uh, that doesn't really mean anything. Uh, you know, what, what was interesting about Herstreet, somebody sent me that last night, and, and I said, I, I, I responded back, I said, there was a time when if you didn't pick Alabama to win the national championship, it seemed outrageous. Yeah. Now it almost seems outrageous to pick Alabama to win the national championship. That's how quickly it has changed. And, but they're still third and fourth in the, in the respective polls. Well, and that's just it. You can look at, I mentioned the Bryce Young years. Yeah, you got all the postseason accolades. Couldn't beat Georgia. Couldn't win a national championship. No, no. And so Alabama is almost more dangerous when they come in with a bunch of In some of ways they are, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would, I would probably put pick them to go to the playoffs right now and with a shot at the championship. And it, it's not that big a deal because they, if if they had a a starter, uh, I mean, remember Bryce Young had one year to he could have stayed. Well, uh, don't laugh. I mean, he could have he could have still been there, um, <laughs> but he, he, only one guy's ever done that before, giving up being the number one pick in the draft to spend a final year on co- a college campus, but. They're, they're still in a really good position. And if somebody emerged, uh, yeah, they could even lose the Texas game uh, the second week of the year. And if, as long as a quarterback emerges and they can you know, run the table from there, then, yeah, they'll, they'll be in the playoffs. Because as it relates to the AP poll of those teams that are ranked in the top four, the only one that doesn't have a question at quarterback is Michigan. J.J. McCarthy's right. set, but Georgia's got to find a quarterback. Ohio State's got to find a quarterback. Alabama has to find a quarterback. And if you're looking at all these teams – in that top four that we believe could all make a run of the playoff. That's the one I'm looking at with Alabama. I'm like, oh, they're good. I, I don't care who it is. They're good. One more quarterback topic I want to get to, and this came late last week. And for me, it's interesting because the Billy Napier era at Florida didn't get off to the greatest start. He had the number mm. four overall pick. I think it's Anthony Richardson went three or four, somewhere right there to the Colts. And if Anthony Richardson takes off in the NFL, it's going to be a bigger issue. But Billy Napier decided Wisconsin transfer Graham Mertz is going to be the guy that he goes with in year two. For some, maybe that was surprising. For others, maybe it wasn't. But Paul, year two for Billy Napier, a guy that a lot of people love as an offensive coach, Graham Mertz now dictates the momentum of what's going to be going on in Gainesville this fall. And it, it, the first game is really important. Uh, it, it was important last year. It didn't really matter in the end. They beat they beat Utah, but the Cam Rising uh, injury is is a, is a question mark. 
And I don't have a good answer yet, Matt. Maybe you do. Uh, so it, there are some people in Gainesville that, that believe they can go out there and steal that game. I'm not one of them. Uh, I would like to know who the quarterback is going to be for Utah. But it, it, assuming they lose that game, their schedule is, is problematic. Uh, they have Kentucky and Tennessee uh, in the first few weeks of the year. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's entirely possible they could have three losses even before they get to Georgia and Florida State and, and, the, and the Garden Variety SEC uh, East games. Uh, so, yeah, and, and if, if, I mean, the, the one thing that's going for Napier, and this, this was – I'm sure Dan Mullen is finding this to be absolutely hilarious. The fans are saying, well, give him time. Uh, you know, he's <laughs> – he, I mean, they act like he inherited uh, a program that had been shut down for 25 years. I mean, Dan, Dan Mullen, uh, I mean, the year before, I think he, he was let go. He, I think he was in the SEC championship. He, he was always in New Year's Six games. Like, what? Yeah, no. But uh, but I was interviewing a guy last night. He, I said, so what's the upside? He said, he, he said, probably eight games. He said, it would be remarkable if Florida could win eight games. I'm like going, Mullen got fired for winning nine. Uh, I, you know, the eight that I mean, the standard in Florida used to be win it all. That's uh, it. So, so, so Napier has the advantage of just dumb down expectations, but he can't waste this. But I, I mean, he has a he has a half a mulligan this season. I don't know how that carries if you if you uh, hook your your tee shot. Um, but you know, if he can if he can beat somebody, you know, and then he's got Florida State, of course, at the end of the year, which is a, you know, who knows. Um, but if if he if he wins seven or eight games, he's going to, he's going to survive. He's got one of the top quarterbacks coming in, but a, yeah. lot, of the, a lot of the criticism of him has just been sloppiness, uh, the way he handled recruiting early on. But, you know, now he has Matt tremendous momentum on the recruiting trail, which, which would, you could say about 19 other schools at, at the moment. But the thing is with that is that was the knock against Mullen. And, you know, yeah. I'm going to ask him about this next week. The knock on Mullen was the recruiting because he came out publicly and was just, just kind of talked about it. And that's how Billy Napier started. Right. And now he's kind of righted that a little bit. So the one knock that we believe that maybe got Mullen in trouble was the lack of wanting to recruit. Well, Napier seems to have dismissed all of that with his success. But it's just, if I look, if I do an autopsy of the Florida program, we right. talk about with, with Spurrier and his dominance. We know what happened with Ron Zook. We know, look, Jim McElwain, by the way, didn't he win the East three years in a row? Yeah, but one thing you have to remember about Florida fans, you know, all this give, give Billy a chance. Uh, if he has a bad season, don't think his life will be good because Florida fans are cannibalistic. They they do not accept. I mean, they may talk a good game on August fourteenth, but they don't talk the same game on December fifteenth. Uh, they especially in a week when they watch the Meyer years on Netflix. It's a it's a four part series on the two national championships in Tebow and Aaron Hernandez. Uh, so when they when they're reminded of how good this program used to be, they're going to have a harder time accepting losing to. Vanderbilt as they did last year yeah because Florida look growing up I'm 44 years old and so in my formative teenage high school years and all that Steve Spurrier in Florida that was college football they were the innovative badass SEC program with Spurrier throwing his visor having a temper tantrum they were Danny Warfel they were Shane Matthews they were all of these great quarterbacks Rex Grossman even Jesse Palmer got in all these mm -hmm. they were getting whatever they wanted they were the SEC that was Florida 
And then they got there again with Urban Meyer. And when you look at this day and age of the league, Paul, Georgia is running college football. Here comes Tennessee with Josh Heupel. Here comes LSU with Brian Kelly. Oh, how about that little team in Tuscaloosa and Alabama? Here comes Hugh Freeze at Auburn. Can Jimbo Fisher get it right at Texas A&M? Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, they're a tough out. Shane Beamer has momentum in Columbia. All of this is to say Florida now has to leapfrog so many schools to get back to the relevance I think all of us grew up expecting. They're behind Kentucky. Uh, that's a program they used to own. I, I, I mean, they, they really are. And, and you know, I, I, Napier is going to have to do it on the field because you can only generate so much hype. And, and one thing about recruiting them at all these uh, school – uh, supported websites and all the all the all the misinformation uh, that comes out on recruiting helps you get to a certain point. But if your record is bad, not, not to sound like Bill Parcells from 30 years ago, uh, it's not going to work. Yeah, you are what your record is, and or you are whatever that quote was. We know what you're getting at. So, hey, Paul, who'd have thought? Who'd have thought that Johnny Manziel would have been the gift that keeps on giving just to to jump off a college football conversation? Because look. From where it was 11 years ago, 12 years ago, to where it is now, it's amazing when you get a time capsule of a film or a documentary to put it into perspective of what we're seeing just two weeks away from the start of the new season. Yeah, and that, it, what, what, by the end of the uh, alignment or realignment last week, it was like, okay, another one? I mean, it was, it's like you know, some of the things you, 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 know, you notice on the news channels up and down the dial. Oh, oh, okay, another one? Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, it beca- you become uh, immune to it, desensitized. Uh, I mean, if somebody came out today, I mean, like we were waiting earlier today, well, what's FSU going to do? Like, who cares anymore? <laughs> right. So, Paul, I hope you're okay with this, but in the next couple of weeks, we're going to actually have to talk football. Is that all right by yeah. you? I, I I put that off long enough. 